Today's episode featured the small forwards, including Kawhi Leonard, OG Ananobi, Danny Green, as well as CJ Miles. Danny Green is more of a shooting guard, yes, but he wasn't on the Toronto Raptors last time we did our pod, so we thought we'd throw him in here. Hey Matt, how's it going? Good man, how are you? Oh, not too bad. Just getting ready to transition to the full off season here now that the quiet craziness is over. Yeah, it's it, it's one of those things where you know Carmelo Anthony's in a new place. Like a lot of the big names have finally settled. So now, you know, I think for teams, it's about finding those those missing pieces, and and every team is different, including the Raptors, right? So I mean, getting those little getting those little bits um, are really important, especially for teams that are looking to compete. Uh, it, you know, we're, we'll, we'll get into it when that happens and what we can do to really improve our team and fill in those gaps. Yeah, totally. Now with filled out rosters, you can kind of talk about the teams more fully. But today we're just kind of going to break down our position-by-position position breakdown as we continue. Last time we did shooting guards. Uh, since that time, there's been the addition of Danny Green, who is also a shooting guard. Um, let's just go ahead and get started with him. Matt, what's kind of your breakdown of Danny Green and your expectations for him this season and moving forward? Well, what I like the most about Danny Green is that he is a winner, right? Um, you know, I was looking. I was actually looking up, uh, doing a little bit of research into him, and he is one of the all-time leaders in games one for the University of North Carolina. So, you know, he's been a winner his entire life along with being, you know, the 2013-2014 NBA champion, which he also started on, right? So he is somebody who is used to winning, and I think that's going to actually be really helpful for this team. Um, So just on that front, like, 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 I really like what he brings. Uh, Additionally, and we kind of talked about this last week as well, he is also a 2016-2017 all-defensive player, right? Like, he is somebody who is a, a, a really great defender. He really gets into his stance really well. He uh, he takes pride in his defense, and I think that's something that, um, you know, was really only coming out in one or two players uh, before for the Raptors last season, particularly in Kyle Lowry and in, uh, uh, Fred Van Vliet. So to have... A nut, a, a more players, and, a, and we'll get to another one in a second, that are really, you know, push themselves on defense and really um, pride themselves on their defense is, is amazing. Uh, you know, other things about Danny Green that's, uh, you know, really great is that, you know, he shot 36% from three three last year which is which is great um you know he's he nick nurse is really prioritizing um you know he said in interviews and you can see a little bit in summer league as well really prioritizing that corner three in which you know he's a really great three uh, uh three-point shooter in as well uh pretty durable player um every season except for one you know he's played over 65 games which is which is amazing um and he is somebody who uh, I just think is really going to bring that sort of 
veteran, but more than veteran because he's going to be a contributor. And I fully see him actually being a starter on this team. I don't see a reason why, um, you know, he can't be a, and, and I know we've talked about in the past, like, well, maybe we don't want to have a, a complete bench mob and I don't think that'll happen, but I just think that, um, for what he brings to this team, it's worth giving him that start. And, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, um, a nice a nice shooting guard that's really going to round out this team. Somebody we can trust shooting from three and just really is going to help stretch the floor for Kawhi and for Kyle Lowry as well. Right. I think some of my worries about Danny Green is if you watched him towards the end of last season, he really fell off offensively. And it was something that he became only a standstill shooter, which he does. But at 36% is not unbelievably well, even despite his volume. But when you start to hear the reports of his torn quadricep, um, it really kind of gives you a little bit more faith in him and understand that, you know, it's understandable that he would not have quite the same explosion that he once had if he was playing through an injury all season. And, you know, he really struggled particularly kind of in the playoffs last year. And it makes sense if you consider how injured he was. As far as what he brings to Toronto, it's, def- it's defense first, which I think, was a big priority for Nurse. I think he wants to have more two-way players than he did last season and more guys that you can rely on on both ends of the court. And offensively, he's a good shooter and he's smart and he provides, you know, he doesn't have a lot of things that he provides, but what he provides, he provides well. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I, I should have prefaced that off the top that I'm kind of going off of Danny Green as a whole and, and, and you know, hopefully ignoring a little bit of that torn quadricep injury. I think that, uh, that yeah, that it is really important. But I also, you know, I think that that shows the character of him as well. Like he understood that, you know, that he I, I, I feel he was very much like a DeMar DeRozan type of player with the Spurs and that he really loved being with the Spurs and that he really enjoyed being uh, a, part, a part of that culture and a part of that team. So for me to, um, you, you know, for him to get traded to must have been unfortunate. But, um, you know, over, I mean, over his career, right, he's, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, six, six seasons he shot over 40%, and unfortunately none of them have been the past three. But um, even, even 2016, 2017, he was a 39% free throw shooter, or uh, sorry, three-point shooter. And that... You, you, you know, if we can get similar production to 2016, 2017, which is also what we're saying with Kawhi, then I think the Raptors will be in a pretty good spot. Uh, first off, I want to clear up something. I said torn quadricep. I meant torn groin. Um, oh, yeah. Obviously, Kawhi had the quadricep injury, so that's more in my head than Danny Green's torn groin. But, yeah, I think if you can get solid three-point shooting, then he can slide in successfully as the shooting guard on your team, he's not going to need a high-volume role in Toronto, particularly if he's starting. You know, he's going to be the, what, fourth option, perhaps fifth option, depending on who's starting kind of at the power forward spot and everything like that. If he's a starter, you're not expecting a high volume from him. You just need to be efficient in those times that he does have the ball. And I think it's totally reasonable to expect him in a team that's more talented offensively than the Spurs were last season to expect him to shoot, you know, closer to that 38% mark that he did the season before from three-point range, which is all you need out of him, because basically at this point, you're just asking him to be a three-point shooter. Yeah, I mean, if if he can, you know, in some situations, camp in the corner and the ball gets swung to him, you know, we're going to, 
we're going to expect them to make that shot more times than not. And um, I really think I really think that the difference between him and someone again that we'll talk about today uh, in CJ Miles is that where where his real value is is on the other side of the ball, and and and, and even in helping someone like Kawhi. Um, with the potentially best player on the floor, if that best player on the floor is 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 the shooting guard, right? Someone maybe a little bit quicker, and, and and maybe Kawhi can't handle him for that day, or for whatever reason, we have another guy who can bring in that speed um, if needed over so over strength, where we would probably go with someone more like OG. Right. I think it's important to have guys that you can switch off on on different individual players because you don't want to tire Kawhi out because obviously you're going to rely on him on offense too. It's also helpful having that guy guarding the second best player on the perimeter because, you know, it kind of closes down the passing lanes and it allows him to focus more on that role. I think, like you said, what you're relying from Dana Green is defense. That's what you want out of him. And anything that you get on the offensive end, it's not a bonus. You're not getting a Tony Allen type player, but any you're not – requiring a lot from him offensively for him to still be a positive player on the court yeah and 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 i really feel that danny green is actually going to slide in quite nicely um with this group and with the and with the sort of offense and defense that we're looking to or at least it's sounding like we're looking to implement so um you know i you, you know going back to this whole trade and 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 what both teams got out of it again i think that you know for the raptors it was nothing but positive positive and that it's, I mean, I mean, he's 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 going to be an asset to be used uh, for sure on this team, and he will be a contributor, not, of course, a top tier contributor, but like you said, like a fourth, fifth option contributor, which is which is just as important because if there's a drought, um, and Danny Green can hit a dagger three to really, you know, bring up the energy again, and we get a stop at the other end of the, on defense, that's going to really help the team out. Right, I totally agree, and he's someone going into age thirty one season. How much do you worry about his kind of decline? And, you know, he's declined a little bit, like you said, as of from three-point range the past couple of years. Do you worry that perhaps that there's a fall-off coming? I, I, I mean, that's a good question. I hope if, if there's anything that Nick Nurse has learned from uh, Dwayne Casey is how to get value out of older players. I mean, Lowry, um, in his older age, has, you know, dropped off slightly, but has also been utilized um especially last year a little bit better and to, to account for his age so um you know thankfully there's a lot of other players on this team that uh, on the raptors anyway with the depth that can help slide into danny green's role if a he's fatigued or b you know he gets a little injured because he's a little bit older um but uh, you know i think i think danny green's also gonna have to be managed um to be to be utilized correctly but I think that you know when managed correctly, he can still be a, a you know a top a, a you know a top net positive for the for the team overall. I don't know about I I I don't know like like the Raptors have done a very good job of managing um, older players, and of course they don't have too many of them. But like like, like I feel like, I feel like we're getting better at doing that, and like the, the the Raptors seem to have a really good relationship with their medical staff as well, and have a top tier medical staff. So. Here's hoping that you know they 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 listen to the medical staff and what they should do and what they shouldn't do and and how far can they can they push the envelope without actually hurting a player or uh, or or worse or making them play through a torn groin. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no, yeah. I expect Danny Green to kind of be on the Kyle Lowry plan, which is 
more from him, I'm sorry. I expect him to be on Kyle Lowry playing as far as not playing a ton. For Danny Green, I'd say he plays 20 to 25 minutes, you know, at most. I expect him to get the occasional back-to-back rest day, or at least I'm hoping that he will, because you don't want to push him too far. And, you know, Danny Green's played in this league for nine seasons. The past six of them has started for an NBA or a top-quality organization, one that was an NBA champion. He knows what he needs to do. I don't think that you need to push him during the regular season to keep him prepared throughout the year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on here to Kawhi Leonard, the other player involved in the trade. And obviously we've talked about the trade at nauseum here. Let's kind of just dig into Kawhi the player, what he provides Toronto, and what you can expect from him next season. Yeah, I mean – he is really he, he he is really the superstar that the Raptors have always been missing um, in, in in terms of on the core play and I mean we can argue whether he is the best two way player currently in the NBA um, if he's not number one he's he, he's number two I mean his impact on both sides of the ball uh, is is palpable and from what Nick Nurse has been talking about too trying to create more steals and and uh and trying to get Kawhi in situations to have the highest impact it looks like Nick Nurse has been watching a lot of Kawhi Leonard film and seeing what uh you know Kawhi you, you know where's where Kawhi is comfortable and where he's most impactful and uh Kawhi Leonard is a guy that uh you know we've seen we've seen the, uh, the there's a fantastic YouTube compilation of Kawhi Leonard versus superstar players uh and it's all defensive highlights and just the way he Gets in his stance, he digs in deep um, in in high pressure situations, and how he and how he uses his combination of strength and speed to his advantage, I think, is really good. Because sometimes, you know, on defense, you'll see a player rely too much on strength or too much on speed, and that and that can end up um, uh, either causing fouls or getting beat, right? And which breaks down the defense. And for Kawhi, he he, he you know he's he's soft on his feet and. Uh, and he really just uh, impacts the game in a lot of different ways. Uh, he, you know, he can rebound. He's a really good rebounder. He um, uh, he also he also he also picks his spots really well. He doesn't he, it, when going for steals. Like he doesn't really try to overcompensate uh, where he's halfway down the floor and the other team is scoring an easy basket. Right? Like he's a very smart defensive player with a high uh, basketball IQ. On the offensive end. Kawhi Leonard is somebody who uses his his uh, his strength to his advantage. I think he, uh, you, you know, he's not the flashiest offensive player in the entire world, but he comes off screens really well, and he 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 his shot is very um, very smooth, a uh, little a little unorthodox, um, especially in terms of the modern NBA, but. Uh, the arc that he gets on his shot is also very nice, and um, he, you know, he can shoot the three, he can drive to the hoop, uh, he can really do a lot of everything, and uh, he he mixes up his game a lot as well. And I think, uh, you know, a part of that testament has to go to Greg Popovich as well, because without Greg Popovich, um, you know, you 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 could you could end up in a Demar Derozan sort of situation with Dwayne Casey, where it's a lot of the same sorts of sets and plays. So I hope what Nick Nurse learns is that you have a player here who can really um, spread. Uh, I mean, I mean, he's going to get a lot of attention, but has a lot of different tools in the in in his toolbox that he can use to, you know, drive to the hoop or go in for the dunk, or he can work off screens and 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 get easy hoops. So I mean, he's a prime superstar player. So with having somebody who can do it all, you can really focus on a bunch of different things. But I mean. 
Kawhi's going into a contract year. So for him to get uh, to have an impactful season and to really uh, show the NBA that he's still a top tier superstar, I think is going to be important for him. And if all reports are saying that you know he's having a good relationship with Raptors management, that there's that that, that they're contacting him, that they're engaging him, um, I mean, who knows how much credence can be let out to the fact that he left the USA basketball camp because he wanted to quote focus on his new team. But, um, you know, hopefully that is, you know, that has something to do with his excitement for the Raptors and, and, and not so much to do with Greg Popovich and DeMar DeRozan being there. But I think that, uh, Kawhi is a very smart player. He's learned from the best and he's ready to, to show it. So I hope he brings the fire and, and, and builds a relationship with management and with his coach, uh, because then they can really figure out, you know, Kawhi's favorite spots and help him and help him get easy buckets because he's somebody who can score in bunches and get buckets in bunches as well. Right. I think defensively at this point, I don't think that he will necessarily be guarding the best players every possession. I think it's a lot to ask of him to play, you know, 30 some odd minutes a night, guard the best player, be the linchpin of the offense. With that being said, he still has the ability to guard the best player when you really need a stop. So, you know, in the final six minutes, perhaps he goes and guards the best perimeter player, considering that he is the best defender on the team when he's engaged and locked in. I don't think it's reasonable to ask him to be that player all the time. And certainly not reasonable if you expect to increase his minutes. You know, in San Antonio, they kept his minutes down pretty much throughout his career. And I think that it's something that Toronto, because they have such a wealth of perimeter defenders, they may increase his minutes a little bit more and take away a little defensive responsibility on the defensive end. Offensively, I think he's someone who fills in pretty similar to what DeMar does. He has a lot of the same tendencies as being an isolation scorer as DeMar. He just does everything better. He's a better shooter, which draws more attention off the ball. He's a better isolation scorer than DeMar. He's better in the mid-range than DeMar. He's better at driving. He's perhaps not quite as good of an assist guy. You know, his assists never have hovered above. I don't believe he's averaged more than three and a half, four a game. But that's okay. You know, you don't need to be a great assist guy as long as you're making the right basketball play every now and or making the right basketball play each time. I think he brings so much to this team, not only as far as being a defensive player, which obviously everyone's talking about over DeMar, but I think it can't be overstated that he's a much better offensive player than DeMar as well. Yeah. And I think going back to what you were talking about with, um, with the defensive end of the ball, I think that's actually a good strategy to take that aside. It's not even necessarily hiding hiding Kawhi Leonard as it was with DeMar DeRozan, but uh, you know, utilizing all of the other resources around him to keep him fresh. Because, um, yeah, I agree with you. In the last six minutes of a close game, when you're guarding, uh, you know, James Harden, you want probably want Kawhi Leonard guarding him, right? But earlier in the game, when you know there are there, there are opportunities to you know have him have him in position to make steals or just give him a little bit of quote unquote in game rest that is that that it is definitely better to keep him off the ball or, or you know off the main guy but i think that i think that he can also you know he's also a good off ball defender and I, I i just agree with you as well like he is somebody who is better in DeMar DeRozan in every way except perhaps with assists and um 
you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully he can build up some rapport with his teammates as well because one of the great things about the Raptors' offense last year when it was humming before it broke down in the playoffs was how they were, you know, picking their spots and sharing the ball in a, in a really positive way and really trusting each other. And I think that'll probably be the hardest hurdle in the in the total offense to to overcome for Kawhi is that you know it's okay to give it up because you're going to get your spots. We're going to we're we're going to have an off ball screen for you to help you move and and get you open. But um, but yeah, but, but but yeah, I agree with you. The Raptors are going to center their team around Kawhi Leonard, which is, I mean, from all accounts, sounded like what what he wants anyway. So if his minutes are going to go up, defense does have to sacrifice a little bit. But it's nice to know that we're not sacrificing a a player because of his inability to play defense. It's just his his ability to impact is so high that we have to be able to give him rest and keep him as fresh as possible throughout the entire game. Right, and it's something that you can do by game. So if you're playing the Bucks and he needs to match up with Giannis, that's fine. If you're playing a team that perhaps is, say you're playing the Indiana Pacers and it's Victor Oladipo, who's still a really good player and still really important, but, you know, is so active and so moves off the ball so well, you can put someone like Danny Green on him and it's not quite as scary as putting someone on Giannis. You know, it's those guys who are kind of that second tier of elite players where if Kawhi Leonard doesn't have to guard them, he can do a little more on offense, and I think that can help your team a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and his biggest impact is going to be in there because when if we need a bucket, we're going to run something for Kawhi Leonard. You know what I mean? So, so having him not feeling fatigued and having his legs under him, especially if we need a three, is going to be very important. Right, well put. Um, let's kind of move on here to C.J. Miles. C.J. Miles is perhaps the guy that will be most affected by this trade. I think if you're going to have one guy fall out of the rotation that was in it last year, it's probably C.J. Miles. You know, obviously Tor- Toronto got him as part of a signing trade with Corey Joseph, and they have him kind of to play small forward here. They thought he was the shooting player to space the floor he turned out to shoot you know relatively well from last season and gave you pretty much what you would have expected from cj miles it wasn't quite what he shot his last year in indiana where i think he was above 40 percent but he still was a solid player for us last year what do you expect from miles and do you think that there is an opportunity that he's the one who ends up out of the rotation with all the movement that we've had as of late I mean, there is a huge opportunity for him to be out of the rotation and to be really, uh, you know, somebody who is only used in spots or for certain roles, a la shooting the three. And uh, it, it's unfortunate because I think the Raptors tried to ask, or Dwayne Casey tried to, and, and this has gone back to our conversations in the past about Dwayne Casey, where he didn't experiment enough throughout the season to really understand what players could do. And there were points where he was being asked to do too much especially on the defensive end of the floor uh that you know he just he, he it's just not within his wheelhouse however um you know with the raptors investing in more two-way players in Kawhi leonard in danny green having someone like og there um even fred van vliet even though the position doesn't affect him um and kyle lowry those are th- th- those are better two-way players on this team just just frankly right and the their in that's the sort of impact that's going to allow you to stay on the floor with this team because of the way that the mentality is changing. So there is a huge possibility for him to, you know, drop out of the lineup. He, he averaged, he averaged 19 minutes last season. I could see that falling to, 
you know, even even 10 to 12 minutes a game, if not it, 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 with, with games where he just doesn't play at all, depending on what happens. But, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I've always liked, I always like CJ Miles as a player. I think that he, you know, is a very smart player. His release is, is, it, it is the fastest on the team, even with Danny Green and, and Kawhi there. And, uh, you know, he, he, he comes off screens really well for shooting threes as well. That's what I find is really nice. And I was actually surprised, um, last season with how much he you know you know how creative he can be with the ball and he can put it on the floor in spots however it's a little bit of you know heads down and 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 pushing you know you, you know he, he he he's not so creative once he gets to the paint he's not someone like Steph Curry or anything who can really be creative when he gets in there or someone like James Harden but I uh, can finish at the rim dunk on occasion and uh but is a little bit of a defensive liability i think um especially if he's guarding a premier shooter in the league who has a who has as quick of a release as he does so there's a big possibility that cj miles could end up out of the rotation or in a greatly reduced role especially if someone like a norman powell um comes back um, and the Raptors and the Raptors want to play small. Those those sorts of minutes could go to someone like Norman Powell, who is another player who will be fighting for minutes on this team. And I think that um, you know there's nothing wrong with CJ Miles either as a person or as a player. It's just you know age could be catching up with him a little bit quicker than others. But uh, you know still a three point shooter, still someone that if teams do not focus on can score in bunches. And uh, you know perhaps. Perhaps that is his role, right? To take a little bit of a reduced minute load, but you know, come out and score a quick fifteen points, three three pointers in a row, and really and really provide that spark that could help uh, the Raptors in a you know sluggish game in February, or or even in a playoff game in a tight playoff game where they need a little bit of relief and the other team is playing great defense. Bring in a CJ Miles who the team hasn't scouted as much and run a few off screens for him, get him open, and let him shoot let him shoot some threes. So. Um, but yeah, but again, his his one dimensional play style is, I feel, could be catching up with him a little bit as the Raptors invest in two way players. Exactly. I think honestly, it sounds weird to say, but I think it would probably be if CJ Miles is not in the rotation, it's probably a good sign for Toronto because it means Norman Powell did come into play, and he's a little bit more of a two way option, and it means that those other guys are living up to their expectations because you know what you're going to get with Miles. He is what he is at this point in his career. Perhaps he takes a small step back due to him entering his age 31 season. But for the most part, you know what you're getting. And if he's not playing, that just means that that many guys have surpassed him. I'm looking at basketball reference right now, and he played, according to them, and their positional estimates aren't great, but he played 7% of his minutes at power forward. I would expect that number to go way up, obviously, with Jakob Perto being gone. That means Serge is going to play a good amount of backup center, if not be the only backup center. So I would expect CJ to kind of slide in, obviously along with OG Ananobi, who we'll talk about later. But I would expect CJ to have that 7% at power forward be a little bit closer to kind of 25, if not greater than that. Yeah, yeah. And that, and I mean, that's a good point, too. He's actually quite tall for a uh, – for, for, you know, such a, a good three-point shooter and more, of, of course, your classic three-point shooter, a, a veteran three-point shooter. So, but I mean, has a high basketball IQ and, and, uh, you know, again, again, kind of the way we were speaking about Danny Green, kind of a little bit, not, not in the twilight of his career, but, you know, more closer to it than someone like Kawhi Leonard or, or, uh, OG Ananobi. 
and how we're and and how he's utilized is actually gonna affect his productivity and, and and picking his spots so you know i think a lot of his success this season might actually end up on the coaching staff because uh you know understanding your players and how to use them properly of course like it like like chess or checkers or or anything like that is really important so um understanding understanding what cj's strengths are and what his his weaknesses are are really, really important but i but but i can really see his impact too on keeping the higher contributors fresh for the playoffs as well by by coming in and playing solid minutes in games in February and March where um where typically you know teams will will, will become a little sluggish and become a little complacent so um you know I've always really liked CJ Miles and I and and and, and I hope he has some sort of role on this team but uh it will be diminished I think for sure we'll be seeing less of him well, another thing that is good in regards to CJ Miles is with the addition of these wing defenders he can hide a little bit more on defense, whereas last year, when you, if you played him and Demar, it was really tough because you had to play. If you could have played them together without having one defensive liability guarding a significant player. Now with the addition of Kawhi, Danny Green, OG Ananobi, you can play CJ Miles and not have to worry about him being placed on the team's best perimeter player because there will always be a better perimeter defender on the court with him. Yeah, that was that was tough to see. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Demar and C.J. Miles both played together until the playoffs, I believe, last year. And that's and that's might have what helped contribute to some of the breakdowns against the Cavs. Right. Yeah. I mean, that goes back to our talk about the bench mob and the lack of lineup flexibility. C.J. Miles starts for the first time in the playoffs. You know, he started. I don't maybe seven games last year, and then he starts during the playoffs. That's enough of a you know enough of a culture shock to anybody so but that's going back to things we've already touched on let's move on to OG Ananobi obviously was a rookie last season kind of outperformed everyone's expectations or at least every reasonable per every reasonable person's expectations what do you expect or at least hope to see from OG Ananobi as far as growth for this season yeah I think that if there's anybody from last season who benefited it the most, it is without a doubt OG and an OB and probably Masai Ujiri as well. I think that this has been Masai Ujiri's best draft pick so far. Uh, there's a lot of uh, upside to uh, to uh, OG and an OB, and I laugh that I say accidentally almost said Kawhi Leonard in that he, had, you know, his growth could be very much a Kawhi Leonard style. Um, sort of player, right? He's he's tall and lanky, but very strong at the same time. Um, and he's he's one of those guys that can really, you know, do it all, right? Like he's a really good. He, he he's proven to be a, a, a pretty good defender for his age and, and and his experience. And he's somebody as well who's who uh, once he gets a his shot in a little bit, uh, you know, his form needs to be a little bit quicker. He he has a he, he has a he he reaches the ball out really far from his body to shoot it. Um, and, and I'm trying to think of somebody who has a similar shooting style and I can't off the top of my head, but, uh, you know, I would like to see him bring the ball, uh, up, up a little bit more and shoot it a little bit quicker. Um, because that's where he's really going to, uh, excel because then he can start coming off of ball screens more and being able to shoot and being a, li- a little bit more of a threat. So, uh, I mean, but I mean, he got he had fantastic he got fantastic experience last year. He started 62 games for the team and played and at, and played 20 minutes. Like that is um, 
that that is some serious impact for a rookie and a serious investment from the team. So, and I mean, if rumors are to be had, the Spurs were interested in OG and Obi, and the Raptors said no because they're committed to his development and committed to seeing what he can be. And I think that he can be one of those uh, very much like a Kawhi Leonard player, soft spoken, but but leaves his playing on the court. And over time, I think that he will have that impact. Now, also learning from someone like Kawhi Leonard, someone who has a similar play style to him, is really also going to help him as well. So I think that um, over the summer, I feel like he's also probably been committed to his body, still still probably recovering from that Achilles a little bit, making sure that it's 100%, and uh, or at least as well as it can be, and really focused on um, building up that body strength to take it to the next level. Because sometimes, especially when you're so young and you haven't grown fully into your body yet, as a lot of these uh, you know rookie sophomores haven't, uh being on the being on the proper physical regimen is actually going to help him in the long run along with again recovering his achilles so barring any acl sort of, not achilles oh 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 sorry yeah acl sorry not achilles i don't know why i had achilles stuck in my head um but he uh but yeah but yeah so you know really working really working on that and really bringing that up to another level i mean i feel like he's fully recovered because of his performance throughout the season but there's a lot of extra um, uh, extra work that he can put in to really be a contributor because I would love to see his points per game to go up from about where it's at at 5.96 right now to about 10. I think that would be a nice growth um, for him. And I feel like, I, I mean, I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like he, he could be playing potentially 25 minutes a game this season. Yeah, I, I hope so. I think to your point about him coming back from injury, I think – it's important to note when you are coming back from injury, so much of your time is spent on rehab. You don't really get to work on your game, and it's going to be, you know, Ananobi's first offseason as a professional where he gets to actually work on basketball rather than work on coming back from an injury, which I don't think can be overstated enough. It was amazing to me last year how strong he was for being a rookie. You know, a lot of times you see these rookies come in wire thin and they kind of get bowled around and Nobi didn't at all last season and really held his own. I think him perhaps gaining a little bit of muscle and through the legs and kind of, you know, sharpening his body a little bit is going to be great for his game. I think it will make him even more explosive, not that he was lacking it in the first place, but I think it will probably allow him to play more power forward as he gets a little bit bigger, a little bit thicker down low. And I think that, you know, just focusing on basketball, getting to work exclusively on your game, as a professional for the first time is going to be huge for him. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I mean, this is we we've talked about this before too. But the Raptors, going back to the physical um, point, the Raptors have one of the top physical uh, physical development and medical staffs in the entire NBA and perhaps in all of sports. And uh, they, you know, the way even going back to how they treated Tamar's injury a few groin injury a few years ago. Um, you know how he came back even stronger right like i'm i'm sure they're monitoring og very very closely on on you know how that acl is and and what and what they can do to help him make it stronger and what he's eating because those are the sorts of things that are going to help him on the side but yeah you're right like being in the gym every day just focusing on that rehab and i'm sure a lot of i'm sure a lot of his last season too even when he was playing was hey how's the acl like like let's get back into the rehab and 
And, uh, you know, I hope, like, you know, I've, I've, I've said this for a lot of players on the team, but I hope he's shooting 3,000 threes a day and, and really getting a bunch of different, a, a bunch of different looks and working on a bunch of different things. And I hope Nurse is kind of giving, giving him a preview of the offense and seeing his role. Because for me, I think OG has a very high basketball IQ. You could just tell from the way he rebounds and the way he moves and, 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 and the way he plays defense as well that he does a lot of the intangibles correctly. So once, a little bit of that skill uh, is built up, especially coming off of an injury where, like you said, he virtually lost a year of development from a skill perspective, that he can become even better than he was last year. And, and, and his impact, I feel like, will grow over the season, especially as some of the initial uh, Kawhi excitement wears off. And, he and, and you know, Kawhi just becomes the, the leader and superstar that he's supposed to be. Then OG can really find his role and really... And really make his impact to, you know, help, help that out. And I think that Kawhi, or I think that, um, OG will really figure out the team game a little bit more and, and be a little bit more, uh, decisive as well. Because of course, as we saw with any rookie, we did see moments of indecisiveness, but, uh, I think watching the film and having a year under his belt and working with a whole new system will actually help him out and really help him uh, with some of that indecisiveness and making quicker decisions and, and which, which then allows you to have more impact in the end. When you talk about his IQ, I think that's a good point. He's already a really good cutter, which I think is something that can be hard to find, especially in young players. And he's a really good cutter, particularly along the baseline, which is important because he does spend, you know, even as we hope that he increases volume at this point, being surrounded by these many good players, he's going to spend a decent amount of time in the corner shooting corner threes, and I think it's important that he is a good baseline cutter, which he is. I think for him, the biggest thing is, one, he's a poor free throw shooter, which is odd, seeing as that he shot from three so well. So I'd like to see him, you know, at least get up into the mid-70s as a free throw shooter. And two, I think the biggest thing for him is increasing his volume. So last season, he had an effective field goal percentage of just under 58%. That's amazing. I mean, that's among some of the best in the league. The problem is when you're only scoring 10 points, the impact, or not 10 points, I'm sorry, six points per game, the impact you have with that great efficiency is lessened because, you know, it's less shots. So obviously what you want to see from him is him keeping an efficiency at least close to that high. It doesn't have to remain that high. You want it to stay you know, above 50% is preferable. Obviously, if you could keep it in the 52 to 53, that's fine. He needs to just kind of keep a similar efficiency, however, increase his volume along with it is what you want to see. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And, I, you know, I think uh, besides Kawhi, I think I'm most excited to see what a year two OG looks like in the end. I think that uh, we're in for something special, and I think that we actually have a very special player. And, I mean, kudos to the Raptors again, and this has been said a lot over the last year. Kudos on the Raptors again for taking a chance on him and rolling the dice because I think that is a gamble that has certainly paid off. Right. Just kind of one question as we move forward. Do you think OG Ananobi is a small forward or a power forward? Ooh. I mean, I guess it, it matters less and less yeah. now what your actual nominal position is. But if you just had to kind of place him in one, pigeonhole him in one category moving forward, what would you pick? I think 
I think the small forward, and I think the reason why is because he has the speed to keep up with the guards. Um, and, uh, you know, we might be getting honest in the future anyway, so then we have a power forward. So. <laughs> yeah, both those guys are kind of 3.5s where they play yeah. both positions. He's perhaps, I think, offensively, he's a little bit closer to a power forward, and defensively, he's a little bit more of a small forward. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see kind of where they play him this year and kind of who they play him with. Yeah, I know. I know. I completely agree. Like he, like he operates the paint very well. OG does, and 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 you mentioned it again. Like cutting, cutting from the corner and finding spots. But I mean, also like he, like 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 he's sneaky and slippery, and that he's able to get in there and sneak in and get some easy rebounds for easy points. Which uh, you, you, you know, I think just overall the Raptors struggled with, with last season, which was finding easy buckets. So uh, yeah, no, I I would tend to agree with you. I think you hit it right on the head. Is that he 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 has the offense of a four, but the defense of a three. So, um, I mean, I mean, I mean, hopefully over time that offense can become the offense of a three. But I I like I like his versatility, and like as we said, as the Raptors and the whole league invest more and more in versatile players or positionless players, that he fits into that mold and can be somebody that can have impact both in the paint with the bigger guys and uh, with smaller faster guys as well well and it speaks to the team that nurse is building here is we kind of went over the small forwards in this in this kind of podcast and we talked about og Kawhi, and danny green all three of which might be starting so it kind of speaks to what nick nurse wants to see with this team and that's more versatile wing defenders who can do a lot of different things yeah yeah i i agree uh well, I think that does it for us on this episode, Matt. Uh, look yeah. forward to talking to you next week when we discuss the power forwards. Yes, very exciting. As we, uh, I think, I, I think there's going to be a lot of good discussions around, you know, how the power forwards are going to fit in with this team and uh, and the big, just the whole big situation overall and 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 how we're gonna how the Raptors are going to build that out. I think is I think is going to be very interesting to both watch and discuss. Yeah, actually, as we talk about it right now, we probably would do an entire Biggs podcast next. I don't think JV needs his own pod. <laughs>